What happened to you at that moment? I mean, did they hold you back? Did they let you go? I mean, I, mean, I was terrified. Yes. I didn't really understand what had happened. I remember her laying there in the street. Yeah. And I was wondering, okay, what's going on? Why isn't she getting up? Why isn't she moving? Wait a minute. Religious tradition is a lie. We're not living in a powerless time. We are a generation promised to be used by Almighty God. Welcome to Miracles Today, and I've got with me an, an, a, just an, an incredibly beautiful young lady, and and thank you for joining me, sweetheart. You're welcome. On Miracles <laughs> Today, and I want to go straight to you know in everyone's life, it mm -hmm. seems that sometimes there is a traumatic event mm -hmm. that changes the course of their life. Yes. And um, one that I saw when I was studying. You know, your story was mm -hmm. the event that happened with your sister, with the 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 car. The, yes. Can you tell me about that? Well, I remember at the time I was really young, and um, it was a time when my mom was having problems with her husband. Yes. And we had moved in with relatives. Yes. And an older sister had come in, and she was babysitting me and my younger sister and my older sister. And she had asked her to go across the street. I'm not quite sure for what. And we were watching her as she crossed the street. She made it across the street, but as she was coming back, a car, I mean, it just came out of nowhere. And it hit her, and it killed her instantly. And, and how old were you when this happened? I'm thinking I was about four years old. What, what happened to you at that moment? I mean, did they hold you back? Did they let you go? I mean, I, mean, I was terrified. Yes. I didn't really understand what had happened. I remember her laying there in the street. Yeah. And I was wondering, okay, what's going on? Why isn't she getting up? Why isn't she moving? And I just didn't know what was going on. Was there, was there an adult there to take care of the situation or were you well, left? Well, my older that? sister. That's she was it? there. Yes, just her. And how old was your older sister at that she point? She was around 22. My goodness. She Freaked lost out. it. Yes. She lost it. And mm -hmm. then, and then did you like learn later that that sister was not coming home again? Yes, yes. And how were you told about that? Um, well, my family, we're pretty, I mean, they're pretty quiet, you know. A child is spoken to only when needed to be spoken to. Mm -hmm. and I've heard that one before. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I asked, I was like, where's my sister? And it's like, well, she's dead. And at that time, I really didn't understand what that was, and it never really was explained. All I knew was she wasn't coming home. I knew everyone was upset, and that was it. And then your mom was in a, a, a rocky relationship at that point yes. with her husband. Yes. And now, was this the gentleman that molested you? No, that okay. was my natural father. Okay, can you tell me about that? Okay, he was um, my natural father. We were originally, I was born in Tennessee. Yeah. And we moved to Indiana. And then um, she was going through problems with him. And so she, I mean, they constantly argued, constantly fought, I mean, physically fought. And so finally she was fed up, and that's why we moved to Indiana. Yeah. And then 
I remember at the time of the accident, you know, she still really wasn't, didn't have anything to do with him and she was pretty upset and after that, I really don't remember my mom being involved in my life. Wow. I remember the older sister. It was like she had completely detached herself. Your mom. Uh-huh. Now, can you tell me about how you, 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 I read in your story that you were protecting the rest of your siblings yes. by al allowing this gentleman to yes. molest you instead of the rest of the the siblings. Yes. Now this was my um, stepdad. Yeah. Finally my mom divorced my natural father. Okay. And she met my stepdad. And they married really, seemed like really soon, mm -hmm. really quick. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember, you know, as a young child, you really don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of see things, but then once something happens to you, you put two and two together and you're mm -hmm. like, okay, this is what happened. Because I didn't understand why my sister would run away, you know, why she was always in the house alone, why we were sent out to play, things like that. Yeah. And so when that happened to me, I was like, okay, I remember her even telling my mom about the incident and nothing, been hap nothing happened. He was still allowed in the home. Of course, he denied it. Right. Now, how old were you when this first happened to you? I was nine years old. Okay, so you're talking about a four-year-old. Mm -hmm. Little girl. Yes. Seeing her sister killed. Yes. Okay. And we can't even imagine. Yes. You know what that was like for you. Mm -hmm. And then a nine-year-old little girl being molested by a stepfather. Yes. And you told your mom. Yes. And your mom. She. I don't know if she denied it. She. I don't know if I don't really don't understand because even to this day she's still kind of like in denial. Right. And then you said that, that you said that she blamed you? Yes, she did. Yes. She told me it was my fault for allowing it to happen so long. And I explained to her, look, I remember when nothing happened when it happened to my older sister. And I wanted to protect my younger sister. I didn't want her to have to go through that. Right, right. And so all of a sudden you went from like a, a little girl to a mature yeah. protector. Yes. Right? Yes. And then that led you in, into a marriage yes. with an abusive Yes. A uh, uh, man. Yes. Can you tell me about that? He was, at first, I mean, he was the perfect husband. It was like right up into the marriage. It was like, in my family's very materialistic. I mean, had the house, had all the cars. He was a military man. Mm -hmm. And once we got married, immediately after that, we were stationed in Italy. Mm -hmm. And so over there, it was like, I was just shocked. It was like a night and day man. So he just became like Dr. Sh Jekyll yes. and Mr. Hyde? Yes, yes, And I was just, I was totally shocked. And so, I mean, even the, the, the fact that you were, were willing to get into a marriage after what you'd been through. Yes. Right? And then you end up with this guy. Yes. And then your mom is still telling you after yes. this. Yes, That we the, the marriage divorced. is your fault? And yes. She told me that that was my fault. That's why, you know, it must have been something I did, something I said is why it went wrong. You know, I should have stayed with him. If I didn't stay with him, then I should have gotten everything out of the marriage. I should have gotten the home. I should have gotten the cars. You know, it sounds to me like you're, you're, you're getting blamed. Yes. Uh, uh, first of all, you're a four-year-old who doesn't understand what happened. Mm -hmm. Then you're a nine-year-old yes. who is getting blamed mm -hmm. for seducing an older gentleman, yes. which is it, just impossible. Yes. Right? Yes. Then you get in an abusive relationship, and then you're getting blamed for that. Yes. So when did you meet Dr. Harfouche? <laughs> I met Dr. Harfouche, let's see, it was about 1997. Yeah. We had um, 
been here already. We came from Italy to, we actually lived in Navarre. He was still in the military, stationed at Herber Field. And we came here, yeah, it was 1997. And I had, I worked for a child development center. Yeah. And Grace had been inviting me. And I said, okay, you know what, I'll come and visit. Yeah. <laughs> and I came in, I remember the first time I came and visited, and you were ministering. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and I came from a very religious background. Oh. Did it, did it shock you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> but the word you ministered, I mean, it was so powerful. I knew it was the word of God. And I was like, wow, I have got to come back. <laughs> Welcome back to Miracles Today, and we're here with Anne, and, and you know, uh, the bottom line is, you know, what can we say about all the things you've gone through in your life, and you sit here in front of me, mm -hmm. and you're a confident lady, and how old are you right now? A uh, woman never was Really? Yes. Oh my goodness. You really, I mean, you look so young. Thank you. And, and now you're, an, you're a whole woman. Yes. Because I mean, you can't talk about that stuff yes. unless you've been healed. Yes. So I'd like you to take several minutes and mm -hmm. share with the, the millions of people that are out there um, what International Miracles Institute did for you yes. and how you're just whole. Yes. Okay. International Miracle Institute, it totally changed my life. When I first came here, I got the correspondence course and the word, I mean, the word that is preached is powerful. It totally is constantly renewing my mind. It's giving me self-esteem that I never had. It's giving me joy and peace. I mean, just peace that passes all understanding. And I am so in love with God. I am I, it can change you. It can make you a whole person I mean, all by itself. All you need is God and to trust in Him. He will take you out of your situation. He will deliver you and set you free completely. You need I am I. <laughs> well, it's definitely amazing because you are set free because yes. you can't share something like that unless you've been healed. Yes. I mean, not that freely, yes. right? Mm -hmm. We don't talk about it unless we're healed, Yes. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, listen, right now we're gonna go to Doc, mm -hmm. he's preaching and teaching more, yes. uh, uh, more about performance and mm -hmm. the anointing and the power of God to set us free and International Miracle Institute. So we're going to go to God's prophet of performance, Dr. Christian Herfus. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and what you're called to do is going to make you more joyful than anything else this world has to offer you. Unto me, whom less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So what was this grace? God would take Paul, give him a divine revelation that literally... He called his gospel. He began to make that revelation known to all saints. And it was to the intent that it would produce a result. And up until today, that result has not yet fully manifested. Because the next verse says, And to make all men see. 
What is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ? Stop, look at me. How many know what the mystery is? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul said, this grace is given to me. To do what, Paul? To make all see what things we have in common with the great divine indwelling of Christ in the believer, the hope of glory. And 2,000 years later, all still do not see what fellowship we have. So Paul is still preaching. Are you getting this? I want to hit the person next to you and say, I'm getting stuff that I don't even know I'm getting. Now look at somebody else and say, I'm getting stuff I know I'm getting. Say, when those two hit... Uh, when those two hit together, who glory to God. You see, Paul's still preaching. You say, what are you talking about? He said, listen, there was a grace given to me to make all men see. And he wrote it down. He couldn't live long enough to make all men see personally, but he spoke the word. He put it down in Revelation. So that a young man would be called in 1979 and by 1981 in the middle of the 80s so that, so that, so that people like, come on, so that people like John G. Lake, people like Howard Carter, people like Smith Wigglesworth, people like our father of the faith, Dr. Lester Summerall, would look into the word and see the fellowship of the mystery and realize, wait a minute, religious tradition is a lie. We're not living in a powerless time. We are a generation promised to be used by Almighty God. God would say, yeah, you're an apostle. You're a prophet. I want you to get up and I want you to talk to my people and prepare them because I'm about to bring them into what they've never seen because what I've revealed to Paul, the early church didn't get it in full. What I preached to Paul did not die in the dark ages. What I've revealed through Paul still has stuff that has never been tasted and has never been experienced, reserved by heaven for a generation that is called the end time generation. And when I spoke to Paul, is still speaking today. Somebody said, well, well, it, well, it just meant the men that he would run into. Okay, that in the next verse annihilates that argument. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be made known by the church. Shout that word. Church. Shout it again. Church. Say church. church. Do you see that? Paul was anointed by God. To declare a life-changing mystery that is applicable to every life to the intent that now, now when, 
when the now of God is now when the God of the now declares to the generation of the now what the word of the now has for them now and they rise up together now the principalities now and the powers now will see the manifold wisdom of God as you and I step into the faith of God and our army of the Lord begins to plunder the kingdom of darkness participate in the greatest transference of wealth raise the dead heal the sick cast out devils are you listening to me now right now devils are trembling at this very living word so now all of this came because Paul was given what grace given what now let's look at one more thing and we're gonna you need to see this you need to see this see you'll only be able to go as far as the grace you're hooked up with is anointed to take you are you getting this so you got people today all over the earth call themselves Christians they don't believe in the power of God they don't want to see the manifestations of the Holy Ghost when they look at the people of God they don't see the good in the people of God they can't even see below the surface some of you might know people like that they might look at you they might not see the best of God in you if you consult the intellectual if you consult the skeptic if you consult sometimes the relative unless you're fortunate like many of us to have godly relatives and I say many of us at the risk of being wrong but without an anointing to see limitless potential who's going to preach it? It's sure been a great program today, and we're here with our very own Dr. Christian Harfouche. <laughs> Christian, I, I mean, uh, what can I say? The, the uh, message today was so anointed. And, um, you know, I was um, also thinking about the, the, uh, the testimony at the beginning of the program where that precious, precious young woman, Anne, had um, seen her sister, her, her sister when she was four years old, run over and killed by a, a drunk driver. And then shortly after that, maybe, you know, several years later, um, her stepfather uh, molested and abused her, and her mom blamed her. And... Uh, I mean, you know, how can an 11-year-old ever be responsible for that? And then her mom continued to live with this gentleman for a length of period of time afterwards. But, um, you know, the guilt and condemnation that she went through because of that. And, you know, I, I found in my dealings with women 
um, that have been abused that many, many times, not only they blame their self, but many times they're blamed by the mom or they're blamed by the family, which is impossible. Well, you know, uh, Robin, the reason is that uh, condemnation and guilt uh, are the most powerful crippling forces uh, with reference to your faith walk. Yes. That's why the Word of God tells us there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. It also says if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence with God. And we know that we have the petitions that we ask of Him. That tells me a lot. That means if God can literally reveal His love, His forgiveness, His deliverance, uh, His Word to us, to the point to where our heart is free from what man has put on us and what circumstances of life or abuse or, uh, or, or hardships or whatever have brought to our lives and we have an assurance of God's love and commitment to us, then we can never fail to receive from Him answers to our prayers. So that means if that's true and it is, then our adversary, the devil, is going to work overtime through words, uh, through opinions, through views, through thoughts, through acts that are going to contradict our peace with God and are going to try to make you live your life in condemnation and guilt. You're going to be introverted. You're going to be wondering what's wrong with me. You're going to be the one that has been abused and you're going to feel guilty. You're going to be the one that was hurt. You're going to feel like maybe it was me. But that's the devil's plot to keep bondage in your life because if he can do that, he can also keep you from receiving from God. Because if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. So the Word of God is clear about a clear conscience that if we are standing in prayer and we're able to forgive others, God will forgive us. So here we are when you have been through some hardships and challenges and you can't forgive yourself. How are you going to forgive others? And if you can't forgive yourself, how are you going to receive from God? This is why I believe with all of my heart, I know it's valuable, important, imperative for every parent that loves their children to make sure that they get a great education. We plan to purchase a house. We plan to save up for our children's education. We plan to send them to school. And we try our best to make sure that they have opportunity in life. But the highest form of education is not what we learn in the schools of higher learning, in university, in college, or, or, or post-university studies to be a doctor, a lawyer, whatever. All these things are wonderful, but without spiritual revelation and spiritual education, everybody is deprived, poverty-stricken, and bankrupt. That's right. That is the truth. And, you know, I was, I was thinking about the, the teaching section in International Book Institute called The Anointing. Yes. And Isaiah said that the anointing 
will utterly shatter, destroy, destroy. break in pieces. That burden that, that, that you carry when you've been accused uh, when you're a child yes. of, of such a horrific uh, thing. And, you know, Jesus loved children. Yes, and he did. said, in order to see the kingdom of heaven, that you must come to him like a little child. Yes. You're listening to me right now, and you're probably or have gone through maybe something similar because this is a destined moment for you. And, and International Miracle Institute will teach you the word of God and along with it bring the anointing and that precious unconditional love of our Father in heaven, and it will destroy that yoke that's been upon your shoulders all these years. You need to pick up that phone right now. Make the first step to being a whole woman and an, or a whole man. It doesn't matter. Make that first step. Pick up that phone and become one of the 400,000 miracle workers that God has called us to raise up for this final harvest of souls. And we will see you again next time for more happy endings and new beginnings.